Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekends were made for sports. How would you like to play for the New England Patriots? I'd love to. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. Everyone, meet freelance alien bounty hunter, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp? The football guy? Yeah, I hunt aliens now. Used to catch TDs, now I catch ETs. You ever caught an alien, Shannon? Not yet, Mr. Question, but I'll let you know when I do. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. Oh, isn't this wonderful? Look at this room. What a beautiful room. Have you seen this room? Yes, we're in it. And Rashad Taylor. Okay, dude, I can see you don't want to be cheered up here. Come on, Donnie, let's go get us a lane. On ESPN Sports Radio 1080, The Fan. Hour two of two here on Sports Sunday. Mike and Rashad with you. Jesse as well till 11 a.m. College football season technically underway. There were four games in what they're calling week zero last night. None of the four were of any note. Probably the closest is Hawaii, Colorado State. And um, I guess it looked, I didn't watch it, but the score was close. It was like 44-38 or something like that. Um, The season actually starts on Thursday. This coming Thursday. Now, there's not really any games to note that Thursday either. The, the biggest game likely, Purdue Northwestern. Uh, there's one ranked team playing. That's UCF playing UConn. So, snooze. Uh, you've got one Pac-12 team playing. It's Utah, but against Weber State. So, nothing, nothing crazy. The first real game of note is likely Stanford-San Diego State on Friday. That is 6 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. You also get Wisconsin, Western Kentucky that day, and Syracuse, Western Michigan. What? So, <laughs> um, those are the games. And Michigan State plays Utah State that day. So, there are some better games Friday before, of course, Saturday gives you the full slate of games. And we will be able to react to all of that next week. For the first time, we get a reaction football show in so long. It is so nice. Uh, that's coming up next week for us. But we want to talk some uh, Oregon, Oregon State, and Pac 12 because we haven't really talked a lot of college football yet this summer. And uh, since it starts this week, might as well. So you want to start with Oregon State? Or you want to start with Oregon? Sure, we can start with Oregon State. Okay. Oregon State, um, not predicted to be very good this year. Shocker. They play Ohio State in week one and are gigantic 37-point underdogs last I saw. No Urban Meyer for Ohio State because he is suspended for the three games, but um, I don't know if that's really going to matter. Three games, huh? I know. Well, look, I don't want to talk. I'm so I'm annoyed about it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> mm, <laughs> if we yeah. have time, but I don't think must we're going to have must time. Must be nice. I know. Must be nice to be Urban Meyer, right? Mm. Um, so, you know, it's not going to look pretty early on. And honestly, honestly, if I'm an Oregon State fan, I don't expect more than two, three wins this year, right? I think their over-under is 
was two and a half when I saw for wins. And I went over as like, I think they could win three games, right? They play Southern Utah. That should be a win. Um, you know, beyond that, I'm not really sure. They have Nevada is, is one of their non-conference games. And then maybe they, they steal one in the Pac-12. But the end of their schedule is brutal. They play USC, Stanford, Washington, Oregon, and back to back to back to back. So good luck, is. But that that's the whole point of this is, to me, wins is not the sign of improvement here, right? I said this under Gary Anderson, too, and I, I, I was wrong. But I think if you see the team competing better in games, that's your sign of improvement. They don't have a lot of talent right now on the team. Jonathan Smith just got there as the new head coach. None of his guys are there. But he's also known as being a great quarterback developing coach. He finds them in recruiting and develops them really, really well. We saw a lot of that in Washington. Um, and I am hopeful that he will be able to do that for the Beavs because you said it earlier in the show, no matter what, you need a quarterback. And Oregon State does not have one. And that is, that's going to be the key moving forward. So I'm looking for competitive football and slight improvement for the quarterback position. That's kind of where I'm going with the Beavs this year. Um. I think competitive football is, is definitely the, you know, that's the goal. You, you want to see that. It, it would be nice to see some wins, though. I'll be, I'll be honest. Like I, I can't. But what do you expect, though? I, I'm, I'm not expecting much from, from, from this team, and I, I think that's kind of been the theme for Oregon State football for the past few years. Just like, uh, well, four wins is an improvement. Well, there's like 13 games, 12 games, and so. Four wins is, is an improvement, but, I mean, considering their schedule, yeah, I guess so. You know, the, the, the season doesn't start on a great note, having to go down the horseshoe and play Ohio State week one, you know, at 9 o'clock in the morning. So that's that's already not a great sign for, for Beavers fans as far as how the year is going to go. Southern Utah might be their only win of the season. There's a great chance that can be – because I don't think they're going to beat Nevada in Nevada. Um but then again, we don't know. Like we, that's how that's how little we know about Oregon State. I'm on the ESPN page right now. And there's stories that have nothing to do with Oregon State that are all over here. They're talking. They're talking about uh, midterm f- football recruiting class grades. And Utah adds Oregon State uh, ex Oregon State head coach. Like there's nothing about the <laughs> the team or the improvement or of the team or really the regression of the team or anything. There's just, well, what do you expect from ESPN? They don't do a lot of stuff. No, but I'm, but I'm, I'm saying like really how much have we really heard about Oregon state football outside of the fact that they're not looking very good. I mean, honestly, what if I mean, you, and you work what, here at the station every what, day, what I've heard is the offensive line is experienced, which is probably the biggest plus that they have. There's a lot of seniors on the, on the offensive line. Um, but I'm looking at our lads, which is generally a very, very good source for depth chart. And unless something changed, didn't Bright Aguebu go to the NFL draft? And he's still listed as their starting outside linebackers. So unless unless I missed it and something changed, that's wrong. Um, you know, the so I, there's just question marks around the Beavers team. There's a lot of like, we don't know what's going on. We don't know who's staying. We don't know who's starting. By all accounts, Isaiah Hodgins at wideouts looked pretty good for them. Um, you know, I thought Key Wetzel, who's a linebacker for them, was really good at Pac-12 media day. Like he was good to talk to the media. Um, you know, but you're right. The quarterback positions up in the air. Is Jake Luton going to come back from that injury and play? Well, I don't know. I don't know. There's question marks all over the place for this team. Yeah. What what I know is the offensive line is experienced and that is the key to a young team with a question of quarterback is at least having a decent offensive line. And I think that'll help. Yeah. I mean, so 
I, I guess Oregon State is just one of those, we'll wait and see. You know, really, can they be competitive? Can they be a step up from where they've been in the past couple seasons? And I think that's the important part. Is there going to be someone that can come in and be the new guy for Oregon State? I mean, who's your quarterback? You know, Sean Mannion was a few years ago now, and there really hasn't been even a backup or somebody that's shown flashes of, okay, this could be the guy that we're looking for to kind of lead this franchise or excuse me, lead this program to the next level. And at this point, I just, I haven't seen that guy. It doesn't sound like coach Smith has found that guy. Yeah. I, I mean, but remember it's his first year. It's, it's hard when you get hired that late in the cycle, just to be like, Oh, found a quarterback. I think it's going to be, but that's kind of the worst situation to be in too. If you're in college football is, well, we'll see. Once the season starts, maybe this guy doesn't pan out and we make a switch. Like, I hate that. Yeah. I mean, that means you're not certain on your starting quarterback choice. If you make the switch, then then all of a sudden you're you're allowing yourself to go back and forth, which is bad for a team. You want them to find a guy, stick with the guy unless he gets hurt or is just awful, and then make a switch if you need to. Not the, like, kind of, well, we think this guy is good, but we're not really sure. I don't know. Uh, that's That's tough. You're right. It, it's tough. I'm going to assume Jake Luton will be the starter. And I'm going to assume the offensive line will be better than last year. And that hopefully that will lead to a better offensive game. But you lost Ryan Nall, which was huge for you last year, obviously. And he he's in the NFL now for the Bears. And I, I don't know. That that's that's all that's all I've got for the Beavs. It's and it's just going to be tough. I, I guess the one thing for the Beavs that it kind of which bothers me a little bit is that there's not a lot of local talent. On the on the Beavers team, there's not a lot of local talent that's ever really recruited to go to Oregon State. They got David and Morris from they, Sherwood. They do. No, mind you, not to say that there's aren't kids from Lake Oswego and Portland and Sherwood and stuff like that that are on the team. There absolutely are, but of a roster of 75 guys, and you got 10 of them that yeah. are from Oregon. Oregon, mind you, there have been some really good high school football players over the past few years that that are from. Uh, Three Rivers League and, and otherwise that just for whatever reason don't get recruited by Oregon State. Oregon is getting these kids yep. and they're recruiting them, but for whatever reason they're not going after those kids. And that could be a big. You're you're planning on getting guys from Texas and California, who I mean by that time they're already going to USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, and those other schools. And then maybe we'll think about going to Oregon State if all else fails. Like well, I, so that's the thing. And then one of the things Andrew Nemec used to has said on the on his show on Thursdays in the past is that. Or Oregon State under Gary Anderson was awful in state. They just missed on kids. They didn't find the kids in state. They they were just. It's almost like, and it wasn't just Gary Anderson. It was all the recruiting effort from everybody. They just didn't. They weren't the best at recruiting, and that obviously entered in state. What they have done is is this year recruiting. They've gotten a couple of the top players in the state have gone to Oregon State and committed. Mm -hmm. So that's a good start, and. You know, sometimes Oregon has a great high school class. Sometimes they don't. You know, last year was amazing, right? You know, you had the number one athlete in the country in Talanoa Hufunga, uh, who was a was a I think went to USC, was a top commit. Like Oregon was really good high school talent wise last year, but this year not so much. But the the Beavs still got a couple of the guys. They need to be able to take advantage of that. You know, every new coach comes in, we got to put a fence around the state. We got to keep our state in state kids in. And that's one thing I think Oregon's done really well, despite the fact they have a bigger brand, despite mm -hmm. the fact they can attract kids from other states. They also get the in-state kids. And I think that's where Oregon, Oregon State, State is, needs to steal those guys. And I don't know if it's just the thing about being too proud to go out and, and get and recruit some of those kids, but 
they've let a lot of. There was a point uh, earlier in the season to where, or excuse me, um, a few weeks ago, where Western Oregon had a projected better class than Oregon State did. Western Oregon, NAIA, mind you, I have not. I went to Western Oregon. Shout out to all the Wolves out there in Monmouth, but the the, the talent level isn't the same, you know, as the Pac-12 or anything. So you mean to tell me that this NAIA school was projected to be a better recruiting class than Oregon State? Man, that's a problem. And that should tell you everything you needed to know about how the Beavers recruit. I I would assume that, like, Central Catholic, a Jesuit could beat Western Oregon. I remember watching them when I went to school there. And, I mean, it's fun. It's just it's, it's not the same level. So when you're getting a better recruiting class than Oregon State, that's – beyond a well, red flag i do think that that switched right oregon state now has a better class but at one point yeah i think it was it was kind of bad um so I, i'm hopeful for three wins for the beeves this year which would be over the over under of two and a half i know that doesn't sound like anything exciting but like i said look for them to compete in games and look for improvement from the quarterback position because that'll be jonathan smith doing that your new head coach coming up next let's get to the ducks who have recruited well and built a ton of positive momentum Uh, But will they be able to prove it on the field this year? This is Sports Sunday on The Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Just uh, wetting my appetite or our appetite here for week one of college football. Looking at Saturday's games, getting uh, jacked up a little bit for it. You've got, of course, Washington-Auburn on Saturday. You've also got, um, what did I say, Michigan-Notre Dame is on Saturday. You've got uh, Ohio State-Oregon State start off the day. Texas versus Maryland could be a pretty good game. Um, And a bunch of others, too. I haven't finished scrolling down yet. But yeah, Bama Louisville is the big five o'clock ABC game. Oregon plays Bowling Green at the same time for for Duck fans out there. And uh, and yeah, you got some you got some good games on Saturday, so that'll be a fun way to start the season. And then Sunday you got one Miami LSU. That'll be fun. Monday you've got one Virginia Tech Florida State. So you got good games all week one. Very exciting. I'm looking forward to it. I know exactly where I'll be for the next twenty weeks or so. On the Just, couch, <laughs> uh, glued to the couch. You know, maybe with the exception of week seventeen, uh, I'll be glued to the couch. And here, here's the cold part: like you and I and Jesse as well, we don't get out of here until what eleven ten. You know, on, yeah. and we try to make it really quick at the end of sh- uh, at the end of the show on football days. Just like, okay, guys. Well, see you later. Yeah. You know, like we try to bye now. Peace out, so we can get home. But by the time we get home, at least for me, it's eleven thirty five. You know, I may have missed little half of of the game you miss so. almost the like first half plus the third quarter of the first game yes Luck, like, luckily the 9 a.m games are generally not very exciting yes yeah, so so that's the kind of the, the 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 downside you know there's like this little lull for like 35 40 minutes that we won't get to watch the game but we're definitely home and ready by the one o'clock game so that's always kind of cool that so. is true um so yeah oregon plays bowling green to open up the season and let's uh let's chat about the ducks here for a second Oregon's schedule is uh, very easy to start. You go Bowling Green, Portland State, San Jose State, and then you get Stanford, which is the first tough game of the year. But three three winnable games, three should be wins for the Ducks in the non-conference, and that'll be good because there's a lot of a lot of younger players getting some starts for the Ducks this year. Um, you know, you've you've 
you now have Tony Brooks James as the starting running back for them. Obviously, he's been there for years, but he hasn't been the starter. Um, you've still got a defense that's that's trying to improve with some youth, but you also still have Jalen Jelks and Troy Dye, who are some elite defensive players. I think the thing for me here is the recruiting has been awesome for Oregon, right? They're they're getting. It seems like everybody they're targeting, they're getting. Um, they're getting a bunch of players from California, which is very rare. Players that go to USC uh, are going to Oregon, which is which is awesome. But again, it's a lot of momentum, and it's just right now recruiting, not on the field. But what you did was you get one more year with Jim Levitt. You kept him, and that should help the defense immensely. He is the best coach you have on your team in Jim Levitt and you thought he might leave for a head coaching job now you see Bill Snyder's back again at Kansas State which is the only place that Levitt would go immediately remember he has an out clause in his contract to go to Kansas State Mm -hmm. well Bill Snyder's back for five years so unless Jim Levitt leaves for another head coaching job you've got Jim Levitt as a defensive coordinator for a while here at Oregon which is awesome it's what you need to help this defense improve Um, my question for the Ducks is can Marcus Arroyo be a good offensive coordinator he, we did not see a lot of great play calling from him when he when he was here last year, and that is a, a cause for concern for me. That's my one concern. Uh, I don't. I, I'm not as I guess low on Arroyo as as you are. I mean, as far as knowing, thinking he can be a good offensive coordinator, I think he was in a tough position last year, especially after um, Justin Herbert went down for for what was it, six weeks. Somewhere yeah, around there, like you know, and, and then you you bought in a series of backups. None of them were were really good, you know, and if really, if not for Royce, Royce Freeman, you probably wouldn't have scored at all, you know, and I was just kind of, there was a there was a time where the Ducks hadn't scored in like 12 quarters, you know, for just for the record, man, that's, that's like three games, you know, that they didn't score a single offensive point, and a lot of that was not having uh, their leader, Justin Herbert, there. So just assuming that he's healthy all season, what we did see when Herbert was on the field, it was night and day. And when you when you have a healthy squad, man, if you were Royal at that point, man, you look like a world beater. You look like somebody who's out there just, man, making all the right calls, and you got this young guy that's out there just doing work. Well, let me, let me tell you, that's the that's the great thing, right? Yeah. So you, I've got question marks about Arroyo as offensive coordinator, but Justin Herbert is considered a potential number one draft pick next year in the NFL. And we've seen when he's healthy, he is really he's on point, really yeah. stinking good. Yeah. So it's kind of like what we were talking about with Russell Wilson earlier in the show. Maybe Justin Herbert is good enough that even if the play calling is eh, that he can still cover that and be that good of a quarterback. Now, so. they also uh, got as a recruit Tyler Shuck this year, who has passed Burmeister on the depth chart already as the number two as a true freshman. So if Herbert gets injured again. Maybe you've got a little bit more of a chance with Shuck coming in versus Burmeister, who I don't want to take too much away from him because, yeah, he was in a bad situation with injuries and offensive line wasn't playing great. But, man, he was not good last year when he came in. Just wasn't ready yet. No. Um, the other thing, too, is you've got a lot of guys who were very high recruits last year who are starters. Uh, do you remember the name Diamador Lenore? He was one of their top cornerback recruits last year. He's pegged to be one of the starting uh, cornerbacks right now. Thomas Graham Jr., one of their top recruits last year, pegged to be a, a starting cornerback for them. So youth in the secondary. But I also think that, that that's, that's a good sign that some of your top players who you recruited are able to step in 
to starting roles in their second year. Well, the one thing the Ducks have always kind of had, at least in past years, uh, was depth. And I think that was the thing that made them so much different in the Pac-12, especially at a time where USC was down, Washington was down. Man, Oregon had a, a bevy of wide receivers and a, and a bunch of different running backs that they could use at, at, any, at any given time. There was a time where the running backs for Oregon included LaMichael James and LeGarrette Blunt. You know, at the same time, you know, and really, if not for LeGarrette Blunt punching somebody's lights out in Boise State, who 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 knows how they use that that combination for the rest of the year? So uh, we've been used to seeing uh, just a, a bunch of depth. Now, for at least last year, it was the first time in a while that we didn't see that. We didn't see a quarterback able to come in and just move the ball down the field. Like the Ducks have been really really lucky to go from uh, Dennis Dixon, to Jeremiah Masoli to uh, who was who was. The guy after that went to the national champion, Darren Thomas, Marcus Mariota. Man, you, they've, you've hit it out the park with court, great quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. And then once Herbert went down, you didn't have much there. And then once uh, what's uh, K- uh, Carrington or Darren, Darren Carrington, Carrington, who you know, left for who, Utah, who once he left, you didn't have much there. And then once uh, who's the other kid that got caught for? Suspended from a team for weed or was that Dwayne Stanford? Those Dwayne, two? yeah, Dwayne Stanford. Well, yeah, this this year you didn't have a lot of that last year. And I so guess now, that's the question: is you've got Dylan Mitchell, Brendan Schooler, and Johnny Johnson the third are your three starting receivers according to this. So you got a couple of redshirt freshmen who are who are backups. So you'll see them a lot. Of course, it's Oregon's offense. You'll see a lot of receivers. I guess that's the big question mark on offense: is what. <laughs> Who are those guys going to be able to pop, you know? Yeah, and I, and I guess we'll find a lot of that out as far as, um, I guess, how how well they tackle. These, these are things I want to find out from them. Because really these first three games for the Ducks season, I don't know how much you're going to learn from them beating up on uh, Portland State, yeah. you know, honestly. So how much you can learn from them actually beating up on Bowling Green, you know. But uh, what we can see is how well they tackle in the open field. That was, that's been a big problem for the Ducks. It's not that they can't – they could stop people. It's just they they were doing these arm tackles that people were just breaking through, and then guys from you know Southern Nevada Community College were going for 174 yards on the ground. That can't happen. So, are you able to teach these guys how to wrap up and tackle? I think that's a huge, huge thing for me. I mean, it's so elementary in football, but that was the reason the Ducks were getting burned so far down the field. Yeah, but Jim Levitt's already shown improvement in that in getting the the team to be that good. Remember, Levitt's great. Yeah, the defense was just woeful. Really, really bad. One text, and we got to go. Uh, Oregon averaged 52 points before Herbert got hurt. Not a big Arroyo fan, but he was getting the job done early. He had to strip down to like 25% of the playbook when Burmeister came in. That's the Better You Today text line, 55305. That is true. Um, the offense was basically stripped to nothing once the uh, once Burmeister had to come in and play. But we even when Herbert came back, we I still had question marks about what Arroyo's play calls were, especially once we got to the uh, – Bowl game against Boise State, which was a train wreck. And that was the first game Mario Cristobal was the head coach, too. So a little bit of a – it could just be one game, you know, first time. It was weird. But – and I know Cristobal did not succeed in his first head coaching job. Granted, it was Florida International, which was one of the worst situations in college football at the time. Uh, probably still is, actually. But um, he has not had success as a head coach yet. That was his only stop, but he had not had success as a head coach yet. Then he went to Alabama and kind of learned a little bit from the ropes there, too. So – there's just generally a little bit of a question there. There's so much positive momentum, but it's all on paper. We yeah. have to see it happen on the field. All right, coming up next, it is time for Hate It or Love It. But first, Jesse S. Sports Center. 
Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. That music means it's time for Hate It or Love It. Uh, Rashad, I believe, won two weeks in a row. So you get, to, you get to pick whether I go first Man, or second. Man, you're definitely going second. If I know, wait. No, you're definitely going first. You yeah. sure? Yeah, I'm sure. See, he, tried, he almost had me. Are you, are you the sure? Old, the old rope-a-dope, huh? <laughs> no, yeah, you can definitely go first. Okay. You sure? You sure? You sure? Yes. Huh? Report yes. says that Lynch win. does really good when he goes first, not second. <laughs> I don't know. Lynch he is said, over there really he said he's more trying. comfortable going second. He's trying. That's the one thing he said. Yeah. He's more comfortable. You're not going to listen. I don't care nothing about your poker face right now, man. You can go. Oh. He can go. You know what? He can go second. That's how confident I am. He oh, he's going. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. What did I do? Well, I, I, go second. I suck at going you second. You know you can go second. <laughs> go All for right. it. All right. Wow. Okay. Uh, so this is, by the way, Jesse will ask us a question. We either hate or love it. He rewards us points, and the winner gets to be the host of the last segment. Or either way, I'd like to talk about the creepy van in our parking lot. So being the host just means yeah, whatever creepy. we're talking Somebody's about. Somebody's going to start van. the conversation about creepy but, van. Uh, but yeah, so, okay, I'm going second then. That sucks. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Jesse, go for it. Okay. Okay. Um, well, all right. Um, I assume we got all NFL today. So uh, fantasy based. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, we'll get a fantasy segment in here. We'll let, uh, we'll, we'll give. The hot fantasy takes to everybody that's about to do their fantasy drafts. Okay. All right. So uh, these are kind of some uh, some guys that you might be curious about what our opinions are. We'll start with Carlos Hyde. All right. Carlos Hyde last year was either a back-end RB1 or an RB2 to end the season. He actually was a pretty good fantasy asset to have on your roster now granted he has had injury history in the past but uh you know that's pretty common at a position where you take so many hits so with that said now that he's in cleveland we've seen a few preseason games where it looks like he's pretty much dominating the touches in the backfield love or hate carlos hyde finishes the season as a fantasy rb2 mm. um Oh my gosh. It's a fantasy RB2. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Make sure you clarify. I think, okay. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Um, I think Carlos Hyde is still one of those guys and give you a whole lot of production. You were able to see what he was able to do with a, not a very great, um, I don't know. Just, uh, he, he hasn't had a, a lot of, of great help. However, I feel like he's as good as Duke Johnson, if not a little bit better in some situations. Uh, the Cleveland is just lucky enough right now to be in a situation where they have like three different running backs that they can happen to go to. Uh, and of those three, man, I think Carlos Hyde is the most seasoned. Um, and because of that reason, uh, I think he knows kind of he can lead a lot of those young guys. Duke Johnson uh, is somebody that can be hit or miss. We've seen him come out and be uh, a really uh, big part of what offenses do, but then we've seen him be kind of a liability at points. So I think Cleveland is still in a position where it's still trying to figure out what's what 
And so for a while, I think Carlos uh, Hyde is going to get some starting nods at the, as the running back for the Browns. But then I think there's going to be certain situations where Duke Johnson is going to be the guy. But I think every week, Carlos Hyde is going to be somebody that's going to give you a lot of production. I think I see him being the Giovanni Bernard without catching as many balls out of the backfield as far as how much playing time he actually gets. Uh, I love this one as well. So let's just say you have a 10-person league, right? Which even though most people like 12, 10 seems to be the the even amount of uh, of teams that gets into a league. So RB2 means in from 10 to 20 in running back rankings, that will be RB2. I very easily can see Carlos Hyde being that. If Jesse, if he continues to do what Jesse said and get most of the touches like he has in the preseason game, um, I think that the offense now has enough weapons on it in Cleveland that will allow the running game to thrive a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I also truly think that the running back position in in fantasy is so top-heavy that there are plenty of guys who could very easily jump up to the RB2 mantle beyond the top like six, seven, eight, nine guys in the league. And they are really, really separated from that top group to the next tier. And that next tier is full of guys who could get hurt. That includes like LaShawn McCoy or Jarek McKinnon. It's full of guys who have question marks like Jordan Howard or Derek Henry or Joe Mixon or Jay Ajayi. I think Carlos Hyde, who just two years ago was a top 10 running back or top 15 running back in fantasy football, and fell on some hard times in San Francisco with some injuries, could very easily vault himself back up into the RB2 category. Moving on. Now, I did give you a little hint to this earlier. Whether you checked it out or not is on you. But a former... Chances are probably no. <laughs> yeah, probably no. Uh, a former all-pro running back has come back into the fold in Washington. A future Hall of Famer. A man that has put up a 2,000-yard rushing season, and Adrian Peterson, at the age of 33, has come back after, well, Darius Geis tore his ACL, Samadji P. Ryan, well, he twisted his ankle, and Rob, well, Fat Rob Kelly is Fat Rob Kelly. Love or hate, Adrian Peterson not only will make the roster in Washington, but play all 16 games. Mm. Um... <sighs> All sixteen, huh? <laughs> you needed to start second. Bro. All sixteen, huh? Uh, I, uh, I've, I've, I love it. Why not? You know, um, really, the only reason he's Adrian Peterson has missed games is based on suspension and the year that he uh, was injured, and I believe it was the first game of the season. Uh, outside of that, man, he's been a model of consistency as far as what he's been able to do. He had that first really good game in Arizona, and then he was really kind of unheard from since then. But we now we know that Arizona had a lot of issues outside of uh, Adrian Peterson at that point. And here's the situation now to where he uh, is – where is he playing uh, for Washington? Again, you mentioned Rob Kelly being a little bit overweight. They've had some issues running the ball. Um, the one thing you know that Adrian Peterson, because he didn't get a lot of touches last year, his body is still kind of okay. He started seven games last year, and uh, of of the ten that he actually played, he didn't do much in that time. But he, we saw when Adrian Peterson doesn't get hit a whole lot, he's able to come back that next year and be really, really effective. The year after he missed some time with the injury, uh, he came back and had 11 touchdowns and 1,400 yards. Uh, the year after he came back from the suspension, you know, he he uh, played really well then. So um, Adrian Peterson is somebody who can definitely help your roster. I do see him playing a lot of games, and especially, especially because uh, there isn't a lot of depth with Washington right now. I hate it. Uh, 100% hate it. Adrian Peterson is not going to be running back in this league for much longer. 
Uh, yes, they lost guys to a, a season-ending injury, but Pirine and the other running back, who I can't remember his name, both got hurt, but not for extended period of, uh, periods of time. Uh, I think AP will stick around early in the season until they get some depth back. I don't think he's going to prove enough of it on the field for them to keep him around. Uh, we've seen when he's in situations he doesn't like, he's a bit of a DB, a D-bag, uh, especially in New Orleans, if you remember, when he wasn't getting carries behind Mark Ingram and Alvin Cabrera last year. So I... I don't think he's going to stick around very much. Jesse said he looked good in the preseason yesterday. Oh, boy, he looked good in the preseason. That that means literally nothing to me. Um, he hasn't played in months, or he's only been training, and that's it. I think it's over for AP. I really do. And Washington is probably one of the worst scenarios to go to because they're a terrible team with, excuse me, a really, really poorly run uh, franchise with uh, guys who are kind of all over the place in terms of skill set. And... Uh, even if he's playing well, they might even make the wrong decision and cut him because he's going to ask for too much money in the future. So I'll say hate. All right. Well, um, all right. Uh, that last point that Rashad made about, you know, he's just, he didn't get very many touches last year. He got, he, he suffered a neck injury and yeah, he didn't, after a few games with a lot of touches, he really didn't have a lot of touches for RB. So I liked that argument there. Anyways. Going into this uh, final question, assuming it's going to be the final question, y'all are tied. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Nice nice job battling back, Rashad. <laughs> After being like, oh, I don't, oh, I'm sitting here like, I really have to think about that. You're giving me some, 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 some mind twisters right now. It's like, okay, well, shoot. Uh, player comparison or uh, player uh, where a player will finish. I'll give you... Uh, the Let's option. do comparison. Okay. Comparison? All right. Like yeah. It. These guys have a connection based on coach. Both have had uh, basically career years under these coaches. One is a, a breakout player. The other one, a well-seasoned uh, guy that's made it all the way to the Super Bowl. And these two guys are Jimmy Garoppolo and Matt Ryan. Now, both have played for Kyle Shanahan. Matt Ryan had a career year under Shanahan. Jimmy G last year was a breakout to end the season. Love or hate, Jimmy Garoppolo will finish the season with more touchdowns than Matt Ryan. Mm. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, You know what? I'm going to. I'm going to hate that um, just because I, I look at this NFC West and this NFC West is just loaded with good defense and, well, particularly the Rams. We still don't know what the Seahawks can be. They did still do have some good defenders on their team. Uh, one of the Griffin kids is actually, you know, really good. I think it's, it's just Shaquem or Shaquille, which is Sha Shaquem Griffin? Shaquem? They have both. Technically. Yeah, they have yeah. both of them. Well, I'm, sure, I'm thinking about the one that's the actual start. So, I don't know. Um, So I don't, I don't know, but I – I look in this NFC South and really outside of that Saints defense, I don't really see a lot of great defenses there. Man, mind you, the Panthers are, are good, but you don't know what you're going to get from the Panthers on any given day, especially after Luke Kuechly went, went out last year. So you're, you're still kind of up in the air there. But uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is somebody with a lot of weapons, or excuse me, with a, with a lot of skill, but I just don't know if he has the weapons that somebody like uh, Matt Ryan has. The reason that Matt Ryan has been able to be in that conversation as the best 
a quarterback or as an MVP is because you have a guy like Julio Jones, who we all consider to be a top one, two receiver in the league. You have a guy like Muhammad Tanu. You have a an Austin Hooper, you know, right there to play tight end, who's still a number one in the league. You have a couple of really great running backs who catch the ball at the backfield. So you're in a much better position to make sure you can spread the ball around. Outside of Marquise Goodwin, uh, name a, a, a real weapon that that Jimmy Garoppolo has on the offense to really work with. You're just not sure yet. And so for that reason, I'm saying Matt Ryan. This is a great question. And it's sneaky because remember, Matt Ryan was bad last year. Yep. He was Matt great. Ryan Andrew. had 20 yeah. touchdowns last year. You're seeing where I'm coming from on this. I'm seeing where you're coming from with it, but I'm still going to hate it for one simple reason. What I said in the previous segment earlier, I don't think the Niners are ready to pop as much as everyone says they are. I agree with Rashad. They don't have the best talent around Jimmy Garoppolo, whereas uh, Julio Jones, Muhammad Sanu, don't forget they drafted Calvin Ridley from Alabama. Absolutely. Um, and the two running backs can both catch passes really, really well. I think Matt Ryan's in for a bounce back year this year. The Falcons were still pretty good last year with him struggling at 20 uh, touchdowns. But I think the Niners will not be quite as good, and I think the Falcons will enter that conversation with the Vikings, Eagles, Saints, and Rams as teams at the top of the NFC. It was very easy to forget about them after that bad year last year, but Matt Ryan is still one of the best passing quarterbacks in the NFL. One bad year doesn't change that. I love Kyle Shanahan for Jimmy Garoppolo in, in San Francisco. I really do. But at some point, the lack of talent on that team right now is going to hurt his touchdown total Garoppolo's. And um, I think the Falcons are ready to take that step back up to where they were when they should have won the Super Bowl against the Patriots a couple of years ago. And uh, I think Matt Ryan will easily throw for around 30 touchdowns again, which I think will pass Jimmy Garoppolo. Close, but pass. 30 would probably pass what he is. This is one thing that uh, I, th I saw was interesting. Jimmy Garoppolo has moved the ball very well in between the 20s. But once he gets in the red zone, he has failed to punch it in with touchdowns interesting yes so i thought that was kind of interesting I, I i agree i think matt ryan is gonna edge him out but it does worry me there with the uh you know the um sarkeesian uh factor there well you know sark was a good offensive mind at one point the alcohol was, was what killed him <laughs> yeah I mean, it didn't kill him but it cost him his job and his family so yeah that yeah Maybe, maybe he'll recover. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Let's see here. What do we... Uh, um, uh, all right. Well, the winner today... Mike Lynch. Right. Oh, well, shoot. That was close. I uh, Honestly, with all the... That was very the, cocky oh, of you. Ah, oh, shoot. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever, dude. <laughs> just, just a suggestion. I mean, I hate going second. Darn it. I can't believe you made me go second. I hate it. It so I much. felt bad. I was like, man, I want you to get at least one of these W's. For this oh, month. I see. It was a pity. It was a pity choice. I yes. got gotcha. you. All right. Well, let's talk about the creepy van in our parking lot. That's next year on Sports Sunday. with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan.
So there is a new creepy van in our parking lot. I don't know where it came from. It wasn't here on Thursday. And uh, that was the last day I was here. And it's here today. And it's sitting right in the front parking space, right in front of the door. And it's creepy. It's got the dark tinted windows. It's the dark blue van color. It, like Sometimes the white van is creepy if it's beat up and dirty. But like that could just be a work van, right? Yeah. When it's dark blue, I feel like shady things are afoot. Really? Yeah. I think it's creepier when it's an old like white van. Like, you know, like something like that is one of those things like hide your kids, hide your wife. There's something creepy going kids, on in, in that van. It's the grape van. It's the what? Grape van. Grape van? Yeah. So I was watching Workaholics and guy Carl has a, a van that looks like a, a rape van. Okay. But when you're in front of schools, it looks weird. So they put a G on it and to make it the, the grape van. Yeah, it was super That dumb. is funny. But that's essentially what's out there. The, even creepier vans are the ones that don't have windows. I don't know if you've seen those. They're like, like busted vans. out or something? Or? Yeah, I mean, no. There's just like where there should be windows, there's just like more car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Those like, are creepy. You can't see anything. It's just like yeah. Those are the those are vans designed for you to be kidnapped in. So this way you don't know where you are. I just I don't like vans. Vans creep me out. And you know, like Some minivans, cool. whatever. But like work vans. Work vans are creepy vehicles. And maybe it's because anybody who does something creepy in a movie is always driving one of those no window vans. They slide the side door open. There's seven people there. Grab you. Pull you inside, slide the door closed, speed away. Like in old school? I was thinking more like in, um, uh, thank you for smoking. Do you remember that movie? I've only seen parts of that. I haven't seen the whole thing. Where the guy who is the cigarette guy, they, they pull him into a van and stick like a hundred nicotine patches on him. As like, a, you, you like smoking so much, let's see how you do with all this nicotine. And it was one of those, like they pulled up. White van, no windows, slid the door open, drag them inside, slide it closed. Yeah, the, the you know, really the... Or it's like the the Dark Knight. Like all the Joker henchmen are in that creepy yeah, white the, van. I think the precedent for creepy vans was set in Silence of the Lambs. And we just got a, a text here that says Buffalo Bill yes. van? Yes. yes. Essentially, yeah. yes. That was the... I think that's the... That that's the the coup de grace of all the creepy vans. Buffalo Bill set a precedent that if you're going to creep people out... This is how you do it. It puts the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose again. Did you ever see um, the Prisoners Prisoners movie? The well, horror movie with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal was a detective. And I forget the other guy. There's a couple other guys. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr., I think, isn't it? I don't think so. Um, their vehicle of choice to creep was an old RV. One of those, like, you, you drive it. It's not. It doesn't attach to your... I guess it's more of a Winnebago. It doesn't attach to your truck. It's just you drive it from the front. And it was old and it had like that orangey white color to it. That was creepy too. There are two cool vans in history. And somebody just texted them a better you today. Text the A-Team van. The Scooby, or three. Scooby-Doo van. Okay. The A-Team van. The Turtle van. Outside of that, you know what I mean? Every, everything else is just weird. By Turtle van, you mean Ninja Turtles? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The A-Team van is pretty cool. And it, is, and it is a creepy van. But or the, or the, the hyphy van. In it. If you've ever been in a hyphy van, I'll explain later. Okay. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks so much for listening and texting in the Better You Today text line 55305. Remember, Twitter at Tanita the Fan, at Mike Lynch 27, at TaylorMade503 is Rashad, and Jesse's at Jesse Osmond, A S Z M A N. We're back next week, 9 to 11, and uh, we will 
explain our Seahawks schedule next week when that's going to be happening the week after, what's going to change, what's going to be happening on Sundays. And uh, remember, we are the new home of the Oregon Ducks next Saturday. Wall-to-wall Oregon Duck coverage for week one against Bowling Green. And uh, we will be here Sunday morning to react to all things college football next week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you then. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.